think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome to the Take and Read Podcast. Pastor Chad here, and I get to have with me one of my longtime buddies. We were just recapping 16 years of friendship, uh, Kurt Prater. What's up? Also a pastor. I don't I don't mean to imply by my you know introduction that I'm a pastor and you're just some some dude. Obviously a, a called and gifted pastor as well, but uh I just know him as KP or Kurt Prater. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing so well. I love these opportunities to take and read the word and looking forward to this time again. Amen. Amen. Uh, As always, I like to just have a check-in. So it's been a couple months since you and I last spoke uh, on this podcast, and I would love to hear... Maybe it's a this season of life. Maybe it's your time in the word. Maybe it's what's happened in the life of the church. What do you see or detect the Lord is trying to uh, kind of help you understand, teach you, remind you of? Uh, yeah, what what are you learning in this season from the Lord? Well, I think what I'd like to do in this little moment is just give a God boast. Just shout out to mm. him as to what he's doing. We we just exited a an Advent time, a celebration with our church and then also with my family. And um, a huge thing that the Lord accomplished for our church is he, he centered our attention around his word with some daily readings. Um, the time that we got to come together, both on Wednesday nights for prayer and for Sunday mornings, were really sweet. And because of his kindness, we saw people come to faith in Christ. In, in Christmas Eve, we celebrated 11 baptisms, and mm. that is all the Lord's doing. And so to be a part of that, to be a witness, was uh, a huge joy. And then for my family, you know, we had actually exited kind of last year um, getting out of rhythm with our family devotionals. And as we headed into a, a, another busy season with our kiddos and the stage they are, um, Advent helped change the game to where we shifted our devotional time from evening to morning. And we had one of the most successful devotional times with our family we've had in quite some time. And mm. so, again, because of the Lord's kindness, that was a small thing that the Lord put on our radar. But it's, it's, it's going to um, spring us into 2024 in a powerful way. So I'm really grateful to what the, for what the Lord's accomplished over the last several months, and particularly over the last four or five weeks. Oh, that's cool. And so with, uh, with that time in the Word, uh, do you sense a greater unity? If, if the church, if everybody in your community is reading the same thing, and gathering for prayer on Wednesdays, is there? How do you see that unity manifest? Well, I mean, it impacts even the casual conversation because if we have a unifying factor like uh, a text, then we can automatically say, "Hey, what did you learn? What did you observe?" And then right. we're talking about what God is doing in our lives personally. 
and seeing some things from different viewpoints, maybe some questions, some things that we didn't, uh, that didn't stand out to us, but it, it just really rallies us all around, uh, God's word. And it's beautiful because then we can spring into other things like, Hey, let's, what do you think about fasting? Hey, why don't we pray right now? Uh, so Mm. I feel like that's what God did through, uh, the Advent season. That's great. Oh, that's cool, man. I love it. And, uh, are you and Carrie still writing music and producing music or is that, is that on hold? Uh, I'd say that's one of my 2024s. We better get after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 If people don't know this, Kurt and Carrie, so his wife, Carrie, they have written quite a few songs together and uh, produced those. And you could probably go to Spotify, Apple, YouTube. You could probably just Kurt and Carrie Prater and you could download their music. And it is it is quite a sweet jam. I love jamming out to the Praters. So anyway, just a little plug there. Thanks for that, brother. Yeah. Um, okay, so we came together. We're going to take and read God's Word. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to do a quick uh, catch-up because I don't know. I never know if my my guests like are tracking with the podcast, but we're in the Book of Acts, and we most recently, in the last episode, finished up chapter 10 of Acts. And so if you can think back to chapter 10 is a, is a pretty significant chapter in that Peter is, he's kind of visiting some smaller communities out on the coast and Joppa and uh, in Caesarea Maritime, they're up kind of further north of Joppa, there is a centurion named Cornelius. And we learn of his devoutness. He is, he's clearly somebody who's seeking after God along with his whole household. He's giving alms, he's praying regularly, and he's trying to be devoted, but he is clearly a Gentile. He is Roman uh, through and through. He's a Roman soldier. Uh, He's got a very Roman name, and he lives in a very Roman Israeli city. Uh, Caesarea Maritime, which was a port city of the Roman Empire. And so he is he's told as he's praying to send for Simon Peter. So he sends two of his soldiers down south to Joppa, which is roughly 24 miles, maybe a day's journey, to go fetch Peter. While, meanwhile, as they're traveling there, Peter receives in a dream and is told three times he's this dream of this sheet being let down and all these unclean animals are in it. And the Lord in the dream tells him to take and eat. He says, no, I've never let any unclean thing into my body. I'm not going to do it. And three times he's told, no, what the Lord has called clean, how can you call it unclean? And so he realizes this is in reference to the gospel going to non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. And so pretty miraculous situation. And Peter, you know, greets the soldiers when they get to the house. He then accompanies them the next day. He goes and he's telling all of this. He's talking to Cornelius. Cornelius says, yeah, this is what I received. And, you know, I was told to fetch you and I've gathered all these people. Tell us what you're going to tell us. And so in that moment, Peter realizes, whoa, the gospel is for you too. It's for Gentiles. 
And so it's this this landmark moment in the history of humanity where Peter realizes this is supposed to go well beyond the Jewish people. He is a Messiah for all mankind, not just for the Jews, which is a pretty big deal that we're going to find out in 11. It's going to take some explaining uh, beyond Peter's experience. But Peter here is the leader of the church, and so he's the guy to do that. So we jump into chapter 11. Uh, We're going to read the first 18 verses. And uh, we'll take it from there. You good? Good. Let's do it. I'm in the ESV. How about yourself? NAS. NASB. Okay. And so if there's anything that stands out, Kurt, as far as different words or phrasing, I think that's always helpful to point out. And that can help us understand clarity on this. So, all righty, here we go. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheer sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. For nothing uncommon or nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent, which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and send, say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And we'll stop there. So maybe I didn't need to summarize all that we had just talked about because it's summarized in the text. Uh, um and so you have his recounting of all that had just transpired as he has now arrived in Jerusalem. So he's back kind of at the home base that he had been sent out from, and it has been heard. So a few things that anything you notice there that needs some explaining, there's a there's a term here in the ESV, uh, the circumcision party. Do, does yours say that as well? Um, I do believe so. What verse were you? Oh, yes. Uh, three? Yeah, uh, verse two. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Okay, mine just says circumcised. Okay. 
Um, yeah, my footnote here just says uh, those of the circumcision. So mm-hmm. this would be, yeah, uh, Jewish, Jewish only people uh, that. Right on. Um, and I think it's probably important to recognize. So you circumcision was something that was given in the Old Testament uh, to Abraham as a sign of the covenant, as a sign of the promise God had made. And so it would be a practice that Jewish men would do in order to uh, reflect their membership in that God's covenant people. So there was from, from all the way back in Genesis, there would be this understanding that this is something that Jewish men, descendants of Abraham, that were also recipients or, or part of that covenant promise that God had made to, his, to Abraham and to his descendants. So you're, you're included in that, that covenant community, that promised community. And so there was, there was good understanding for them to recognize, look, the Messiah and the promises of God are for descendants of Abraham. And those descendants are marked by this covenant promise marker, which is circumcision. So we start to get some understanding why they would be alarmed. Uh, okay, why is it that these people are receiving the promises or the fulfillment of promises God made to our people and they don't have the circumcision. They're not a part of this community. They're not recipients of this promise is their understanding. Would you add anything to that or need, like, no, would you but have I, other questions? No, but I, I'm, I'm just thankful that you're bringing that about because the book of Acts does a great job of painting this picture of the separation between God's people and how that their framework and how they saw mm-hmm. themselves and how they saw others. So it was the the circumcised and those who were not, those who were Jewish and those who were not. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so it's a good word, framework. In their framework of reality, there are two types of people. There are circumcised and uncircumcised. There are the circumcised, which are God's people and the recipient of all his promises. And then there's everyone else. And I think that's one of the important things to note that's happening in the book of Acts is a reframing. There is a new framework of to understand what God is up to, even all the way back to the covenant that, that God made to Abraham. Within that covenant promise, he said, through you, Abraham, all of the nations will be blessed through you and your offspring. So there was a sense in which the blessing was always going to extend beyond Abraham to other people, to uncircumcised people. Mm. <laughs> and and so it's interesting as you track throughout Jewish history, there would become some confusion as to what that meant. There would be yeah. a, a different understanding as to what that meant. Uh, and And so it kind of got lost I think throughout the years and generations. And, and so now there's this reframing that Jesus is doing uh, through his spirit and through his people, his faithful servants. And that's that reframing happens in 
chapter 10 and 11. And so the realization that Peter now has to bear testimony. So the scene is such that you've got Peter is back. Uh, he's back with the other apostles. It says in verse 1, uh, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So it's now it's now a thing. This is kind of a big news bulletin. Peter arrives back, and you've got these people that are very strict to the promises only going to the circumcised. And he's they're like, you not only went to them, but you ate with them, so you fellowship mm. with them. Like it's not enough that you, that they just randomly received it and you happen to be present, but you were actually engaged with them in fellowship. Uh, there's something to that even where Paul will talk about in his testimony throughout Acts that he will revisit Jerusalem and will be extended the right hand of fellowship. So there's that when you extend fellowship with somebody, when you engage with them in a meal of that kind, then you are saying that we are, we are allies, we are friends. Um, you are you are a welcome guest in my home and community. So there's something beyond just kind of they sat down next to each other and, and shared a meal, but that was a significant sign of acceptance in that community, mm, mm. and. And so they recognize it. And so it's interesting that they say, you ate with them. Like you, you sat down, you ate, what, what's behind this, Peter? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Did you sell out on us or something? Uh, I, and so then I, I he wanna, recounts it. Go ahead. Can I jump in there just a moment? Because I'm almost having a flashback to when, when Jesus was engaging with the sinners. Um, he mm-hmm. was drawing recognition like, this is not what we do. And so right. Jesus was a front runner in paving this picture. And now Peter being one of the, the primary, the leader of the apostles, I would, I would say in my, my estimation, I mean, it, it had to be Peter in this instance to bring this type of interaction and experience back to Jerusalem, to the apostles. Cause it's blow, like you said, it's blowing their mind. What did you do? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting kind of throwback to when Jesus was carrying out his earthly ministry, the kind of frustration that people showed and almost betrayal they they accused him of because he would eat with sinners and tax collectors uh, as if he was endorsing or approving of they're now accepted. They're now okay. So it gives you some insight that pra- like the normal practice would have been complete shunning. You would just ignore and not interact with anyone outside of a circumcised people group. And I think that's why you historically find Jewish communities are pretty insulated. They kind of mm. do their thing with, it, with their own people and they may engage in some sort of commerce or um, exchanging of goods and money, uh, but they certainly don't engage in any kind of fellowship or community with those outside of their circumcised community. And so, yeah, your point that Jesus is is not only eating with tax collectors and sinners, and but then the the other Jews, the the Pharisees, the scribes are seeing this and accusing him of 
can you believe this? Like he is, he's betraying our people. He is, Mm. he's contrary to everything, which would make him unclean as well. Like he would be then an outcast. And so, yeah, he kind of paves the way for that. And now Peter's like, look, yeah, yeah, I was doing this and here's what happened. Here's how this played out. Okay. So just pump the brakes here. Don't kick me out yet. (laughs) And that's what, that's the beauty of the new covenant, which is awesome. And and it is, it's being lived. It's being experienced now in this interaction with Peter, Cornelius, and these uh, uncircumcised, which is beautiful. Well, and yeah, and I'm... I'm spinning up on some of that. What you brought up about Jesus, he was eating. He wasn't eating with Gentiles. He was eating with fellow Mm. Jews that were outcast because they were unrepentant sinners or violators of the law or tax collectors, which a tax collector has sided with the Gentiles, the Roman government, and is uh, oppressing his own people, the Jews. So this takes it a step further where Jesus is, yeah, he's, he's fellowshipping with the defiled people of the Jewish community. Peter now is found to be fellowshipping with the dogs, the Gentiles. Like they're like subhuman. They're not even, Hmm. like it's one thing for the gospel to go to the Samaritans who are kind of this this hybrid Jewish people? Um, it's one, you know. It's it's going. It's emanating out, and that's exactly what Jesus told them in Acts one verse eight: "You will be my disciples, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Mm-hmm. But in their mind, their framework was to the Jews in all of those regions, mm-hmm. and now this breaks the frame. Hmm. And now it's beyond the Jewish people, which is totally different. Uh, good stuff. Okay, so he recalls it, and he is—he's talk—he's telling them the story, and it, it all makes sense. It's just as it as we had first encountered it in chapter ten, and it's interesting. One of the things that I notice here is his argument for why this is legitimate. And he's got this this dream and this sign of clean and unclean animals, which is he understands this means people, Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being the unclean animals represented in the dream. And he's recognizing that God has now said, no, they're clean. They're good. Go ahead with it. And then he makes an argument to the people that he's kind of recalling this to. Hmm. Uh, and his the, the, the main thrust of his argument is, in, starts in 16. He says, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. If then... God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Mm. And then at the end it concludes, they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And so 
we have an understanding of things that we've seen so far, but this is the first time they've been clearly articulated, and that is when God's Spirit falls in a place on a people and there are clear demonstrations of His Spirit as a gift given to these people, that that is a sign of His approval and endorsement that this is legitimate. These people are now included. Any thoughts about that? Well, I love that chapter 10 details the account play by play. But then as you started in verse 16, we get, I can just imagine Peter was really processing what just happened on the way back to Mm -hmm. Jerusalem. And, And the Lord had to bring to his remembrance Oh, that passage. He John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God is not only speaking directly to Peter through a vision, he's not only allowed him to have the experience, and now he's actually drawing back to his time with Christ and saying, Oh man, this is this is being fleshed out right before my very eyes. I just see the kindness of the Lord in affirming what's really happening. The Spirit has fallen on these Gentiles. They are being converted. And this was actually foretold. Yeah. And uh, that idea that their reality has now been reframed as to what, what the gospel means, what Jesus was teaching, the kingdom yeah. of God, and the extent of that kingdom and who that kingdom includes and what the kingdom citizens will be, it's all being reframed in this, in this moment. And Peter is articulating it and recalling Jesus's teaching and words to him. And that I think that helps us understand the book of Acts in a much deeper way because I think one of the challenges that we experience as believers is we we come to a book like the book of Acts and you see these incredible, miraculous displays of God's spirit. You see healings, you see demons driven out, and you see the Holy Spirit fall on them and there are, they're speaking in languages they've never studied or known and they're declaring the mighty works of God in these foreign languages that are until that instance known to them. And you go, well, I want that. I want, I want that too. Like, why can't that happen now? And I think it's, it's an important conversation to have. Like, how do we understand God's activity uh, as we read Acts and then we look at our own experience. And there are certain, uh, I think, rabbit trails that this can go down. Um, there are certain theological uh, denominations and, and groups that would interpret that those things happen today and uh, on a more regular basis uh, and that these are things that, that we can just initiate, the speaking of tongues and, and healings. And then there are groups of people that say, no, that was, those were only for that time. 
um, and for the launch of the church and in that time period. And uh, they're not something to be expected at this point in time. And those particular gifts are no longer used or in use. And so it's a, it's an interesting path to walk. But I do think that what we see in the book of Acts, the activity of the Holy Spirit is clearly, as articulated by Peter, that God gives his gift of the pouring out of his spirit at key times when unlikely people groups or people are being included into the kingdom and brought in and have been given the gift of repentance that leads to salvation and given awareness of their sin and who Christ is. And so they're now included. And it's as if the Spirit of God shows up and is a clear stamp of approval endorsement that these people are in. This is real. This is of God. So I think that's important to understand that that's what we're reading in the book of Acts. Amen. Now we could have all kinds of other conversations about what is the activity of the Spirit today. I do 100% believe that God's Spirit dwells in each of us that have called Christ our Lord um, and believe that He is living, active, moving, leading, guiding. Uh, As to these sign gifts, these more kind of outside of the normal activity gifts, these kind of miraculous gifts, uh, you know, and whether they're still active today, I do think that they are active and, but I don't think they're as active in the United States. And I have some, some thoughts about that, but I do think that, uh, in other parts of the country where spiritual activity and demonic activity is much more prominent, I think you see, uh, God's spirit much more active. I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to say, say anything about that. I'm, you I, can tell I I'm treading carefully. Yes. And let me just say generally, um, I think as we continue to enjoy the book of Acts, if there's anything that we could do individually and even grabbing people around us is we can pray that we would so understand and see the work of the Holy Spirit. God is at work because when Christ left, he gave us a clear command, go baptize, make disciples. Well, God's a front runner in that. He is going before us and mm-hmm. helping prepare that the way for us. So if we as his followers would be diligent to say, God, please help me see what you're doing. Help me be a part of your work. I, I believe that we can still experience moments like what we read about with Peter and Cornelius. Mm-hmm. As, when we're ready to um, we'll really submit ourselves in prayer and ask of the Lord to do that. So just a general man, let us be a fervent a people who are fervently praying to the Lord and seeing God work. Yeah, I think that's a good word that there are things that we do in terms of our unity with God and our unity with one another. And our our humility. So fasting and praying is something that was a gift. These are gifts given by the Lord to us, and they did not go away. Fasting and praying is something that is normative activity for a believer. And I think that there is something too with, I think we tend in the United States to express and try to experience our faith as an individual thing. 
but when you read about it in the scriptures and in the New Testament, it's very much a community activity. It's a community of faith. There's a high levels of praying together, meals together, fasting together, uh, scripture together. Amen. Uh, and then, and then a response to because the praying and the and the fasting that is exercises of faith and fostering humility, and it provides unity. And then when God's people are unified, there's this amazing if they're shaped by His Word and His way, and they're they're one anothering in the ways that He has prescribed for us to one another. He is much more active, I think, in those communities and in those instances where his people are seeking him and humbling them th themselves and crying out to him, uh, he's much more prone to act. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. Um, and that's, that's my prayer for my church family here, uh, that Amen. we would be a people that are regularly engaged in prayer together, fasting together, responding to God's word, loving one another. And it's that, John 17, where Jesus prays that that we would be one with him and with each other, that we would all be uniquely unified as as a people, and so that the watching world would know that Jesus Christ is and, and came. Mm. Uh, good stuff. So you kind of, you have this text, you go live your life now as a, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. What for you kind of helps you either pray? What's something you would pray out of this text uh, for yourself and for your family? Uh, and then how does this affect the way you live? Hmm. Well, I know I can't identify directly with the, the Jews here receiving this message because the, of the way that they saw the Gentiles, right? But I do know that I have prejudices. I do know that I have preferences. There are things that cloud my judgment in how I see people. And the reality is that God has broken down all barriers uh, for all people to come to the knowledge of faith in Christ. So I too have the opportunity to partner with the Lord in sharing the, the beautiful mm -hmm. message of the, of the cross and hope in Christ. And I, I don't need to hinder that. So, mm -hmm. and, I, and I love I love their response in 18. They said when they heard this, they were quieted down and they glorified God. So I, I hope that my response is one of, thank you, Lord, for making a way for me, Kurt Prater. Thank you for making a way for mm -hmm. my family. Thank So let me be faithful to carry this message. And then I know mm -hmm. it should fuel my prayers in, uh, uh, let me see people as you see them. Let me be willing to initiate conversation because I, I know that I've been entrusted with the most powerful uh, message of all, uh, hope in Christ, faith mm -hmm. in Christ. So being open and ready to uh, share my faith with others and um, just know that they're, the Holy Spirit's working. So Lord, let me be a part of that. I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. What about for you? Yeah. Well, I, you brought up a good point um, that I'm strewn on is the idea of existing prejudices that, that I have. And, and I think that that would make its way into my prayer that 
Lord, reveal to me just unknown things that I, the way that I see or perceive people, maybe write them off, uh, maybe just kind of move past them, maybe choose not to see them because in my own heart I've made a value judgment and that they're not worth my time, they're not important, and and to just kind of allow this to be a moment where I go, you know what, I, I can't. I can't look past people anymore that I may interact with and uh, to truly value all of them as somebody that may be a recipient in that moment and maybe a future brother or sister in Christ. Uh, so to be faithful with this valuable, the most valuable um, news and message that anyone could be entrusted with. And then I think too, uh, yeah, to give rise to praise, this is a significant moment in history where my life would be be forever changed because of this moment and the way that God worked in Cornelius, the way that he worked in Peter, and then Peter's faithfulness to go back to Jerusalem. And uh, the fact that the gospel just went global in mm-hmm. that moment. And because of that, Chad Warren in Montana came to life in Christ. And uh, because of that actual moment in history, uh, Peter had no idea that there'd be people all over the globe that would be impacted by his faithfulness that day. And maybe he did, I don't know, but I'm just so grateful that the gospel went global and Amen. That Jesus isn't just a Jewish Messiah, Amen. but uh, he's, he's my Messiah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good word. Well, I want to encourage everybody out there if, as we've had this conversation, we've looked at this word. If there's been any questions that have been prompted by our conversation, um, <laughs> our conversation around the Holy Spirit will, I'm sure, uh, instigate some comments, questions, quandaries. Uh, you can always email me at takeandreadpodcast@gmail.com. I can get those questions to Kurt if you have any questions for him. Uh, but also want to encourage you in the comments to leave comments, engage in conversation over this stuff. The idea would be that in the comment section, there is a community, a growing community of take and read uh, podcasters that would engage in conversation over God's word. That's my desire. And those comments, those those shares, those likes, they allow more people to learn about God, his word, and what's happening. And so that's my desire is that we make much of him, that he be glorified in each of these conversations, and that we be a people shaped by the word of God, living in light of the word of God, and uh, loving him all the more and engaged in greater unity because of that with one another. So, um, Kurt, thanks for joining me today, man. My joy. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to hear what God's doing in the midst of the church family there in Georgetown. And, uh, I'm always encouraged to spend time with you and yeah, I'll be going and praying through some of these things and processing this a little bit further. So I appreciate the the word today. So, uh, for everyone out there, uh, my encouragement to you is to go take and read the word of God. Blessings. Blessings.